We would like to advise that the following program may contain adult themes, occasional nudity, and language that may offend some listeners. Thank God it's... Welcome to the Lindley Evans Music Studio at the ABC and Ultimo for Thank God It's Friday. I'm Richard Glover and this week with the music, it's the song and dance man himself, Mike McClellan! And our panel, Anthony Ackroyd, Dan Illich and Zoe Koonsma! And our audience this week drawn from the towns of Jeroa, Jamboree, Holmes Beach, Bato Bay, Shelley Beach and Moss Vale! But first of all... Very coastal. Very coastal. The news from nowhere. And this week, it is a news from nowhere. From the future, from the future, from the future. By the time the cyber attack happened and the World Wide Web collapsed, there were only a few of us left. The non-digital natives. The people who had reached adulthood before the internet revolution. Who would have thought, after years of being shunned, after years of ridicule we would suddenly become so important, the key to humanity's survival. First, there were the ransomware attacks that shut down hospitals and businesses. Then the world's GPS system developed a bug that proved a contagion. Overnight, the maps that had nestled in every phone vanished. Siri went next. In vain did people cry into their phones, Hi, Siri, can you help? Can you tell me where I am? Siri did not reply. Before the cataclysm, humanity was happy. But little did people know how vulnerable they were. No one knew how to cook, to wash up, (laughs) to use a map. But the old knowledge had not disappeared entirely. It lived on in small pockets, deep in the recesses of suburbia. That stooped figure, pushing his shopping trolley up the hill, he was one of those who still had the knowledge. That white-haired woman clipping back the hydrangeas in her front yard. She was another. They were the keepers of the flame, the vessels in which the old ways, the ancient understanding still resided. Who could have guessed that they, well, we, would prove so important? A few days after the GPS disappeared, the rest of the world's digital system collapsed. It didn't take long for the situation to become dire. For a start, no one was eating. Without GPS, the drones could no longer fly, (laughs) leaving both homes and cafes without supplies. The food warehouses, shops had long gone, tried to revert to a system of road deliveries, but, alas, none of their drivers knew how to read a map. (laughs) Washing machines, fridges, door locks, televisions, lights in every house, nothing worked. But we are a resourceful species. The digital natives were determined to find solutions. If the fridge no longer operates, we'll find a way around the problem, said a million people in a million homes. We'll just look up a list of fridge hacks on the net. And then for a million people in a million homes, the realisation, oh, that's right, there is no net. (laughs) A week later, they started coming to my door. Already the young supplicants were filthy and a little (laughs) smelly as they could no longer work their washing machines or their... Fridges (laughs) Fridges <laughs> or their showers. <laughs> a plaintive look was common. 
The first to ask for help was a man in his early 30s. He had the keys to a lock-up garage in Newtown in which his late grandfather had stored supplies of baked beans. <laughs> if he could just drive there and back, he might be able to keep his family alive. But Newtown was five suburbs away. How could he possibly find his way? He looked up at me beseechingly. I wonder, sir, if you know of some sort of old-fashioned hack in order to find the way from one place to another place. Young man, I replied, I can help. I stepped back into the house and returned with an old copy of the Gregory Street Directory. <laughs> I opened the pages covering our area, pointing to the road we are on, then allowing my finger to follow the squiggly line up towards the highway and onwards to his destination. He looked at me and at the map with a sense of awe. So, he said, this is not connected to the internet in any way. No, I replied. It also doesn't require any power, so you can never run out of battery life. Mm -hmm. He shook his head in wonder, as if to say, what will they think of next? <laughs> but, 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 he said, how do I get back from Newtown? <laughs> well, son, you just turn the map upside down. <laughs> Follow it the other way. He walked to his car, holding my copy of Gregory's much as one would carry a priceless artefact. There were other callers that day. A 40-something father had been arguing with his son about the precise date of Hitler's birth and with the net down needed to consult my 24-volume printed copy of the Encyclopedia Britannica in order to settle the battle. Thank God you still have this, he said, as the argument was turning very nasty. Others were more desperate. A bedraggled young mother asked whether it was possible to cook food on a fire and how one might start a fire and that allowed me to explain to her about newspapers you know before they'd disappeared and how they'd played a role in everything from democracy to the lining of bird cages and the ignition of fires at least radios are still around well the battery operated ones last night i heard an expert saying the internet might be back up in as little as three years in the meantime, I, I don't mind the constant knocking on my door. We, the non-digital natives, are here to help the young. And that's the news from nowhere. Uh, we have Anthony Ackroyd, Dan Illich and Zoe Coombsma. Welcome. Thank uh, you for coming. What a Thank frightening you, dystopian vision yeah, you're painting. I, I thought that was very good, Richard. I just have one question. Yes. What's a radio? Mm, yeah. <laughs> And what's a map? What's a map? My partner was actually in an Uber recently yeah. and the, the young guy driving was talking about how his dad had been a, a truck driver back in the day and then he started describing something to her and she was like, sorry, are you describing a street directory? And then she was like, yeah, I used to use those. And he was like, what was it like? Wow. Yeah. Is, actually, they were terrible because the place you wanted to go to was always in, in the, the crease, in the crease yeah. between them, actually. By some strange logic. You know, digital natives are quite uh, uh, reminiscent of, uh, of other digital things that have gone, the, gone by mm. the wayside. I remember having a conversation recently with other millennials about ICQ, which was like an oh, early right. chat function earlier there. Some nods here. Is that yeah. the one that went, uh-oh? Uh -oh. yeah. yeah, exactly, yeah. yeah. Mm. Mm, nostalgia for the <laughs> 2016s. <Yeah. laughs> well, right. being a baby boomer, um, we had a set of Collier Encyclopedia. Ah, yes. And uh, the part of the deal was that you get a yearbook 
every year to update the encyclopedia for 10 years. So um, I have no idea what happened after 1978. (laughs) (laughs) They stopped coming. Um, The last one was... uh, We had one for Britannica as well. The last one was actually last year, and my dad asked me to put it on the bookshelf. And I said, have you ever read any of these? He's gone, nah. (laughs) But it made us feel smart. That was right. Now, now let's uh, check you up with this week's news. Who is a mite less our mate when it comes to a spread... Made of veggies. Who's a mite less our mate? Are these, are these the Swedish people? Yes. Uh, have you heard about this, folks? Yes. They have started a museum mm. showcasing the world's most disgusting food. <laughs> Guess what's in there? Vegemite. <laughs> no, rise up, people. <laughs> How dare they? Yeah, I mean, what, you know, what are we meant to eat? Swedish food? Well, like shooting. Swedes. Yeah, like Swedes or, you know, a reindeer's head on a bed of herring mm. or something. I don't know what they eat. But they, they, I think the witchetty grub. Yeah, there's, there's three bits of Australian food in there. The must, must must stick. sticks, yeah. What about the pie floater? The pie floater should be in there. Huh. I mean, that is disgusting. (laughs) (laughs) But what's wrong with Vegemite, anyway? Well, exactly. It's pretty hard. Vegemite's pretty hard. Uh, I remember having Vegemite sandwiches in kindergarten and the kindy teacher called my mum and said, "Uh, please don't give Daniel Vegemite sandwiches anymore. And she said, "Uh, oh, why not? He said, he uses them as frisbees. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But I think mustics are an outlier. (laughs) Mustics are really good. They're fantastic. Mm. Maybe the Swiss just thought we were using body parts of Elon Musk well, to make our mustard. Why are, why are mustard grooved, though, as if they've got non-slip handles? Are, are there long cases where you people have tried to put them in their mouth and Richard. gone up their nose or something? You don't want to drop a mustard. They're very precious yeah. items. I think they're there hard are, to find sometimes. I think there are other more repulsive Australian foods that could go there. Oh, for sure. I reckon Foster's. That should go there. <laughs> that should go in that museum. Foster's should go into that yeah. museum. My family has a tradition of um, garlic and chips, which I think they, my family just made it ooh, up, which ooh. is garlic sausage, a.k.a. fritz, or Devon wrapped around hot chips and dipped into tomato sauce. So it's kind of like a bogan pig in a blanket <laughs> meets a dagger dog. Disgusting. It's, it's 5.15. You're leaving people hungry for dinner. <laughs> okay, who, who says Australia has the hop on the rest of the world? Who says Australia has the hop on the rest of the world? I think this is The Economist. Yes. Um, who have said that, uh, uh, have featured Australia on the cover. We made it. Mm. Um, Big picture of a kangaroo. Yeah, saying Aussie rules. Apparently we have one of the strongest economies. We've had 27 years without a recession. But to me... But they say it's the best place in the world. Basically. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but uh, but they also, interestingly, when I was... I, I heard that um, apparently... Whatever, there's been a study done that whatever is on the cover of The Economist, the opposite happens. Um, <laughs> so a lot of people are going like, uh-oh. It's, they're like, oh, this is just like the time that guy said you can't sink the Titanic. It is true that The, no. Econ- the Economist magazine has predicted 43 of the last two recessions. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's a matter of balance, isn't it? I mean, mm. you know, Australia, yeah, it's, Australia's great, but then you have the balance, yep. the, the yin and yang. For every positive... Uh-huh. There is, unfortunately, a negative. We've got to be realistic. I mean, 27 years without a recession, positive. On the other hand, Peter Dutton. <laughs> <laughs> Median income has risen four times faster than America. Tony Abbott. 
Economic growth three times that of Germany, Pauline Hanson. Public debt less than half of Britain's, Eddie Maguire. <laughs> Mark Latham and Ross Cameron. You know, there's a lot of... Uh, you know, there's a lot of yin for that yeah, There's yang, a lot of yin there? for every yang, you know. I- I think it's understandable. I've lived and worked in America for the last three years and coming home, it's so relaxing to live in Australia. It's very stressful to live in America. Um, And we've got it really good here. I think we've got the balance right of the right social safety net versus capitalism. Um, Take me for an example. I'm an unemployed comedian with barely any discernible skills and I love going for a swim at the beach at lunchtime. If I had this lifestyle in America, I'd be dead by now. (laughs) Statistically, I would have been shot years ago by a three-year-old. Like, it's like... (laughs) We've got it so much better here than, than many other places. Like, uh, compare us to America, for instance. Um, America, they've only got one Guantanamo Bay. We've got three. It's fantastic. <laughs> uh, it's, it's pretty amazing. And, you know, America, they want to build a wall to keep immigrants out. We had a moat ages ago. Like, we are so ahead of the curve. It is unbelievable. Inbuilt. And we've got Bogan picking a van. We do. And I think one of the best things about Australia is that we have, like, the world's best number one um, turnover per capita per year of Prime Ministers. <laughs> <laughs> Don't like them? Roll them. Ahead. Yeah. Yeah. Right ahead. Two more and we can form a cricket team. It's going to be great. <laughs> um, who, is, uh, who has questioned what answers might be given on Monday night? What's this about? Questions? What? Well, it's got to be Q&A, hasn't it? Yes. Yeah. Which is and featuring who? Well, on Thursday. It's on Thursday. Is this true? Malcolm Turnbull yeah. has got his whole hour of Malcolm. On, who's excited about that? I am. It's going to be great. I can't believe Turnbull because he said you don't want to hang around like other ex-prime ministers, miserable ghosts. Now he's going to haunt Tony Jones for an hour. <laughs> <laughs> Instead Maybe of a thinks... white sheet, he'll have a black, you know, leather jacket and a matching cowl. <laughs> uh, but, Mar- uh, but Scott, have you seen Scott's got upset with Malcolm? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. So he's yeah. not going to go overseas anymore. You can't go overseas anymore. He sent him to Indonesia and he gave a bit of flack about the Israel capital and now he said, you're not going overseas. Although apparently, according to Malcolm, uh, Scott has arranged a visit to the Saudi embassy. <laughs> which, uh, <laughs> so I don't know what that's yeah. about. Too soon. <laughs> Too soon. <laughs> Uh, yeah, he's, he, Scott Morrison is, uh, you know, he's, he's, what's weird I think about Turnbull is he, it's only a few weeks since he yeah, attacked yeah. Rudd and Abbott for being miserable ghosts, Turnbull's term, and now maybe he's becoming a bit of a miserable ghost himself. Yeah, it's so weird for Malcolm Turnbull to do something hypocritical. <laughs> <laughs> like say one thing and do the other, yeah. Look, I, I like this. I think this is good. I think every former Prime Minister, since we have a new one every six minutes, should be granted an exit interview on the public broadcast. They should, and Tony Jones is like the head of HR. And uh, I just think, yeah, look, I, I did some Googling and I found the five most common exit interview questions. Uh, and I thought, Zoe, would you mind pretending to be like Julia Gillard or any ex-Prime Minister? I can, I can give it a red-hot go. Okay, great. And I'll just read them out because... These questions are from HR, but I would love to hear a Prime Minister answer them. Um, So, uh, do you have any concerns about the company you'd like to share? Um, I think you'll have to wait for my book to come out. (laughs) Uh, Do you feel like you've had the necessary training to be successful in your role? If not, how could it have been better? Well, look, I could have seen a few knives coming towards my back, but um, so maybe a rear vision mirror would have helped. But no, I think uh, my, I think my, my training was there. It's not, I, I, no comment. <laughs> what circumstances prompted you to look for another role? I think you know the answer to that question, Dan. <laughs> Under what circumstances, if any, would you consider returning to the company? I think you know the answer to that question, Dan. <laughs> and uh, finally, do you have any suggestions for improving employee morale? 
Oh, get rid of Helen in an HR. She <laughs> is a nightmare. Anthony Aykroyd, Dan Illich, Zoe Kuzma on Thank God It's Friday. <laughs> Uh, now, the Education Minister, Dan Tien, says that some of the research currently receiving government grants is a bit esoteric and that in future all academic research funded by a federal government will need to be subjected to a national interest test. <laughs> so what research do you think <laughs> might pass the test of really being in the national interest? Dan Ilch. I just think that's so bizarre. I, I mean, knowing the lowest common denominator in Australia, you'd probably have to go up against somebody and be asked questions like, oh, yeah, so how many decades were your academic research secure the ashes for? Um, will your academic research further the expansion of the habitat of Shane Warne? Uh, will your academic research increase the number, density and volume of the fair go? Uh, you could combine it with the pub test. Yes, you know, I yeah. think that's a good idea. You could just roll all of your PhD students into a pub and people at the pub, the Aussie people at the pub are people of very few words. You know, they'll either say, yeah, or nah. So you get an answer pretty quickly. So you oh, get yeah, up there. Nah, yeah. yeah, well, this is what <laughs> let me let me let me um dissect it for you. So you could get up there, you could pitch, you could say, Yeah, my PhD is about food security and public policy. If they say nah, yeah, that's yes. <laughs> if they say yeah, nah, that's no. If they say nah, yeah, nah, that's Australian for please bring it back next month with a better defined thesis. Uh, <laughs> what is the Way of preparing bogan pig in a blanket. <laughs> You're funded! <laughs> what, what, do you, what do you reckon, Zoe Coons? The, the national interest test, what's going to pass? Um, sorry, I just got a bit distracted. I had to uh, apologise to Dan for stealing his punchline there. <laughs> yeah. uh, it was really rude. <laughs> That's um, totally fine. <laughs> But um, I don't know. I just think this whole thing is so stupid. Like the education minister has basically gone, yeah, your research is a bit researchy, isn't it? It's a bit thinky. It's sort of like the, the equivalent of standing in a modern art museum in front of a Mondrian and saying, look, yeah, I could do that. Like, what are you? It's dumb. But um, I don't know. I, I kind of feel like, like if academic researchers are going to need to pass a popularity test, well, first we'll need to do some research into popularity for academic researchers because researchers aren't popular. They're nerds. That's why they're researchers. If they knew what public support meant, they wouldn't have spent so much time in the library trying to avoid getting their heads flushed at high school. <laughs> so that would be a start. But I think as soon as you start making, you know, academic na- uh, research by nature is esoteric. As soon as you kind of try to make them public interest, you just end up with kind of commercial radio talkback issues, like do you scrunch or fold your toilet paper? (laughs) Who's pushing my bins over? Text in if you know. Sorry, I'm just taking notes for next week. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Anthony Aykroyd. Uh, Scrunch. Oh, no, sorry. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) I'm a scruncher. Uh... Listen, as much as I totally respect Zoe's point of view, and she didn't tread on any of my jokes, which is fantastic, <laughs> uh, but no, no, I, I actually, you know, Zoe, I, I, I have sympathy for the education minister. I think this research is too esoteric. I want something that affects me. Mm. And I'm sure I'm not unlike the audience here. I want things, you know, research into issues, vital issues, such as... Which biscuit is cheapest at Aldi? (laughs) (laughs) Ginger snap. But anyway... (laughs) (laughs) Made in Uchelhangen in Germany. It wouldn't be called ginger snap, though. It'd be called called spicy crackle. (laughs) (laughs) The Reich snap. Um, (laughs) (laughs) She's just snapped. Uh, 
not research into things that affect me. And I'm sure you're the same, ladies and gentlemen. What about when you... Okay, this situation, you're at maybe a supermarket or maybe an airport and you walk in and there are queues there, maybe two or three queues, and as soon as you decide to go with the shorter queue, the queue you didn't choose speeds up really quickly. (laughs) And then you've got the choice. Do I go over to the other queue? What if I do and that slows down? People will look at me. Mr Aykroyd, the government would like to give you $3 million. (laughs) (laughs) Accepted. throwing things away. We all throw things away. But as soon as you you, you hang on for years, one day I'll need that. And then you convince probably by your significant other to throw it away. And the next week, you know, you need it. Like the telescope that I had for five years. And I wanted to look at the stars. You know, I had a dream. And uh, the stars just looked like really dull light bulbs through this (laughs) very cheap telescope. But the moon, the moon looked great, but um, it doesn't do much. The moon, you look at it and think, oh, yeah, that's the moon. And uh, (laughs) it's pretty much the same the next night. So after five years, I'm going to give it, I'll give it to a little kid, give it to a friend's kid, seven-year-old, love a telescope, gave it to him. Radio says, for the first time in 2,000 years, the moon will be orange. (laughs) (laughs) It's really hard saying to a seven-year-old, can I have my telescope back? (laughs) Give it back. Explain to the parents. I'll give you half a packet of ginger snaps if you do. Um, Now, the wheel of death. The Wheel of Death, ladies and gentlemen. You're ready for the Wheel of Death. Dan Illich is going to take on the Wheel of Death each week. When our studio audience come here, they throw these random topics onto this chocolate wheel. Today's topics are... I wrote uh, it. You might not be able to Spilling, avocado. Oh, thank you. Uh, (laughs) Babies, orange, marriage, cricket, zombie, amber, Amber. uh, termites, a new $50 note, asbestos, Paris, naughty but not courty. Is that right? And elections. And we're back to spelling round and round and round. It goes where it stops. No one knows. Today's topic on the wheel of death for Dan Illich is the topic of naughty (laughs) but not courty. (laughs) Whose topic was that? From what deep, dark psychosis did that come from? We don't, we don't want to know. He's, from, he's the guy from Jeroa. <laughs> Naughty but not, not courty. Yeah, that's the motto of Jeroa. <laughs> that's what they say on the town oh, sign. Yes. Yeah, it's etched. This is uh, incredibly hard for me to do because um, my mum is in the audience today. Uh, so, uh, Where's your mum? Uh, mum, mum's, mum's back. Do you want me to go and just... Place my hands over her ears. While She'd you... like that. Yeah. <laughs> she might feel she's courty. She's a, <laughs> she's a big Glover fan. Uh, she looks a very intelligent woman. She is. She is. <laughs> she is. Uh, look, um, I, look. I tell you what. I, look, this reminds me of loopholes. I think you know Australians. We all love a loophole. When I was in year twelve, I was dating. Not dating. I was uh, friendly uh, with uh, a girl. <laughs> Who, who worked? You were optimistically at, friendly. Yeah, optimistically, yeah. yeah, I was extremely optimistically friendly. Uh, nothing ended up well there. Don't worry. Uh, anyway, moving on. She worked at the cinema, and I was totally in love with this girl. And she told me the greatest loophole of all to get free popcorn at the cinema, and I was astonished by this. And I've used it quite often since. Apparently, to get free popcorn at the cinema. I'm telling everybody in, in Sydney right now, this is fantastic. Um, at the cinema, the big cinema chains, they don't, they don't 
um, count popcorn by the amount of popcorn they sell. They count popcorn by the amount of cups they sell. So if you go to the popcorn dispensary and fill up your bag, of your lolly bag full of popcorn, you get free popcorn! <laughs> Isn't that amazing? I think, she did, I think she did love you. <laughs> I think that's incredible. And I've done it ever since. And uh, no one ever questions it because it's like an inside cinema worker's Knowledge. It's like mm. it's like you know how butchers have a secret language. It's just like that. Are yeah. you just saying in order to get free popcorn, just steal popcorn? No, <laughs> I'm not saying because if you everyone knows that yeah, you don't steal popcorn. <laughs> stealing popcorn would mean you'd be stealing the cups. <laughs> well, it's a, it's a, it's a. It's a, it's a hack. Hmm. So you were naughty but not courty. <laughs> naughty but not courty. Now I expect police to be at my door. <laughs> I think your mum looks a little disappointed. I'm checking out. <laughs> not until I take her to the movies and get free popcorn. <laughs> Does he die? Does he die? No. Does he live? Yeah. He lives. On Thank God it's Friday. DJ with have Anthony Ackroyd, Dan Illich and Zoe Coombs-Ma this week and our wonderful audience, thank you for coming. Um, it was Halloween this week and the children of the state predictably dressed as witches and werewolves. If they were to dress as something really scary, what would their costumes be? Zoe. Malcolm Turnbull in a leather jacket for an hour. It's just wrong. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, that would put the fear of God into the country. Absolutely. And will do on Thursday. <laughs> <That's> creepy. <laughs> Those kids, if I, if the, the scariest thing would be to open up a door and see a kid dressed like my unmet potential. Uh, you know, just like me, but skinnier. Your unmet potential? Uh, uh, just skinnier, wealthier and better looking. Gee, that would be scary. <laughs> uh, you really put in the effort, kid. That is such a horrific idea. That's I know, it's very scary. scary. Yeah, it's very scary. So you would meet yourself if you'd done everything properly throughout. That's right, like, yeah. If you'd slept properly, done yoga, yeah. done the Tai Chi, paid done the popcorn, study. Paid for popcorn, you know, all that stuff. <laughs> Not eaten any bogan pigs in blankets. <laughs> That's right, yeah. Uh, avoided the... Cheap biscuit aisle in Aldi. Yeah, yeah, if I took, if I read every Sarah Wilson book and did everything she said in those books, mm. yeah. Mm. It's a bit like that ad. Remember that ad that used to go like the someone would come up and say, "Who are you?" and they go, "I'm you." Ten years from now, but Ooh. like mm. that happens. They knock on your door, and then you go, "Who are you?" and they're all messed up. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, it's the, the other that's one. The other yeah, one. The other yeah. one. Yeah. What, what should they be wearing, Anthony Aykroyd? Well, I've thought about this, Richard, and the scariest thing imaginable in the current political climate would be if an ex-Prime Minister turned up at your door and it wasn't Malcolm Turnbull. And I've got a little bit of a prop for this. So if you could just cover this. I know we're on radio, <laughs> Richard. Mm, mm, mm. Um, OK, so I'm just going to talk to you about the fact that, uh, that Anthony is about to do something behind me. I'm a little bit worried. It involves... Oh, OK. Oh, oh, oh no. Oh, no, it's that. Oh, no. We're back to that. <laughs> Kevin Rudd has joined us, ladies and gentlemen. Kevin Rudd. He's back. Kevin Rudd, ladies and gentlemen, on Thank God It's Friday. What a treat. Ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> In terms of programmatic specificity and natural complementarities and conceptual synthesis, I would prefer a treat. But <laughs> let me say this. If you require a trick, I can unveil my stimulus package. <laughs> and you can all shake my sauce bottle. <laughs> Be afraid, people. Be- oh, oh, photo opportunity. 
Dan is tweeting a photograph of Anthony Aykroyd dressed as Kevin Rudd, pretending it's Halloween. But this is, <laughs> this this is, is great radio. This is perfect. <laughs> I'm going to do a mime. <laughs> the wi- the, don't you think, Dan, the circle is complete? Because Dan Ewart shot the first video I ever did as, as Kevin Rudd. Oh, is that right? Okay. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah. 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 They were very popular on the internet in 1943. <laughs> <laughs> Before avocados. Yes. <laughs> Can I take the wig off now? Yeah, you can take the wig off. Now, very good. Very good. He'll be appearing as Malcolm Turnbull on Q&A on Thursday. Uh, Now, vegans, this is true, vegans are suffering such high levels of mockery and abuse that the Plant-Based Foods Association has suggested the name vegan be dropped in favour of the term plant-based food enthusiast. What are the other groups that face discrimination in our society and how could their name be changed in order to promote a better attitude? Anthony Aykroyd has returned to the panel. <laughs> <laughs> who else? Who what else happened to... while I was away, Richard? <laughs> <laughs> I heard laughter. Yeah. Yeah, we were laughing at him, away. not um, with him. Well, um, I've got... Yeah, this, uh, just, it, it just uh, reaches inside me, this question, because I myself am a member of a couple of persecuted minorities. Really? Yeah. Uh, for a start, I've, I've made no secret of this fact, and it has been mentioned that I do live in Barrel, um, which, if you don't know, it's uh, an internment camp uh, <laughs> for the elderly. Um, it is visible on satellite images. Um, we have someone from Mossvale as well. Yes. You, you, <laughs> she went even further south. <laughs> Uh, it's a place people move after Sydney. It's full of, if you've never been to Barrel, it's full of these little knick-knack shops and little tea shops and uh, half the shops are spelt S-H-O-double-P. You know when people go to the, yeah, the sea change, obviously, and some people have the tree change, Barrel is the home of the twee change. Uh, <laughs> it's, a, it's a good place to get a butter dish from the 1930s. Yeah. yeah. Oh, you've seen my collection. Yeah, I have. <laughs> Perhaps we okay, can bring so some per- popcorn and so we can have a... <laughs> persecuted minority number yeah, one, Barrel. So, uh, what else? And I am persecuted. You know, you leave Barrel and it's cold. You know, it is cold. And, and as you get towards Sydney, it starts to heat up. So I have to do a strip tease on the Hume Highway, uh, which is very dangerous when you take the jumper off and can't see for about five minutes. <laughs> and then you're mocked by your Sydney friends. Oh, why are you wearing this? Oh, uh, instead of just being called a weather wimp, I want to be called a barrel-based warmth enthusiast. <laughs> <laughs> Now, the other one, this is, very, this is very personal, but I feel like we've bonded here. Um, and this may be a minority group of one, I'm not sure. But I do have, this is a fact, accurate fact, the thinnest feet of any male Caucasian. <laughs> You've got thin feet. Uh, it is amazing that they actually support my body. Uh, you know, just in the morning, you, you can laugh at my misfortune, madam, but... Um, <laughs> You don't know what it's like to wake up in the morning and say, I've got to put my underpants on. That means I've got to balance on one leg, <laughs> which is the width of a paddle pop stick. <laughs> but on the upside, a lot of ladies say, oh, I'd kill for those ankles. <laughs> so instead of being called, you're mocked as, you know, matchstick legs, I would like to be but called... But you could go ice skating without skates. You could just use your <laughs> thin feet. You're good. 
He's such a cruel He's guy. Such a horrific <laughs> image. Oh, so when go uh, go skating on your when on Neil your Armstrong landed on the moon, he was actually talking about you. Yeah. One small step for man. <laughs> actually, yeah, which hurt actually. Yeah, right. But, but uh, you're, you're, yeah, you're also Tasmanian, of course. That's a, a well, yeah, persecuted group. Yeah, stick the boot in, why don't you? Yeah. <laughs> it would be a very small boot. Yeah, <laughs> you can stick it you right can in, in there. It's like right a knife. In there. Yeah. Yeah, let's have the Tasmanian jokes. Come on, hey, give me six. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> which other minority Zoe, which other minority groups need a name change in order to stop the ridicule? Well, I think cyclists get a, a bit of a bad go in a similar way to vegans. So, so I thought, you know, lycrophiles or um, body based half cars. That's better than pedal files. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. right. we'll pay that. <laughs> Uh, redheads could be known as melanin-impaired melanin recessive gene conquerors. Um, well, they're Neanderthals. The truth is that the, the, the gene, this, this, we have got a new understanding of Neanderthals, and Neanderthals do not mean what we think they mean. In fact, Neanderthals were, were, were wonderful, and the reason why they brought their genes into the human gene pool was one of the great He's lost it, guys. Just go with it. <laughs> ...of evolution. But oh, that's redheads, fascinating, Richard. Redheads are actually, they're actually Neanderthals. <laughs> true, true fact. Great. Redheads. Good, good on them. Good on them. Oh, yeah. That explains Pauline. Yes, go on. <laughs> <laughs> what were her war paintings? Little ships going over oceans. So what are they called again? They're called... Uh, uh, Mel- Melanin-impaired recessive gene conquerors. Oh, that's good. Yeah, nice. Yeah. Yeah. Good on you, redheads. Um, and also <laughs> stupid people, I think, get a hard time. So they could just be called alternative thinkers or anti-vaxxers. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. Yeah. Dan? Uh, I just think, um, you know, we need to give a new name to neoliberals. They should just be called foreign conflict devotees. I think that's probably <laughs> the way to go for them. They, they yeah. do like the odd foreign conflict. Yeah, they, like, they love it. That's all I got for them. Now, tell us your your shows. You're both in this Yak Festival. Dan, you go first. I'm doing Irrational Fear. It's like, thank God it's Friday, but for young people. Uh... (laughs) Get out! (laughs) Security! Yeah, if the room was full of young people, though, that, there wouldn't be any booze to that. So you gave yourselves a watch. It's security. just like they, it's security, like they security got a... Security, Mr. Yeah, well, that's, it's not strictly true. Anthony Aykroyd's been on an irrational fear a long time yeah. ago. Yeah, um, I'm young. Yeah. And, uh, and it, it's, it's, <laughs> it's just like this show, but with a lot more swearing. So come along. Come along. 8.30 at Joe 8.30 tonight. And what's yours, Right eh? after hers. Uh, my show is called Bossy Bottom. And uh, I named it just so that I and other people would have to say that frequently. Um, but it's, uh, yeah, it's just a, it's a stand-up comedy show. It's very stupid. It's very rude. And mm-hmm. uh, it's on tonight until okay, it won, Sunday. Okay, it won Melbourne though, didn't it? No, my last one did. Your last one. I already won it. I wasn't eligible. So <laughs> it probably would have won. Uh, but, uh, <laughs> you know, you've got to step back. You've got to give other people a go. <laughs> Zoe won comedy. Very generous. Who are the winners and losers of this week, Dan? Um, My winner is, well, because the US midterm elections are coming up, there's a lot of reporting around that this could spark a second American civil war. Um, So my winner is the Southern Hemisphere. Uh, We're just going to be pretty far away uh, from from America. My loser is... You know that's why people buy... American billionaires are buying all this land in New Zealand. The New Zealanders are trying to change their laws to stop them doing it because they think that they've made this study of the way wind patterns operate in the 
northern and southern hemispheres, and they reckon that when nuclear winter comes, the only place that you will be able to survive is the South Island of New Zealand. Yeah, NZ. I know Peter Thiel has got land in Lake Wanaka. Um, uh, Matt Lauer has land on Lake Wanaka. And He's Shania, like the CBS host, the, isn't he? Yeah. ex-NBC yeah. host. Yeah, NBC, yeah. And country singer Shania Twain also bought land on Lake Wanaka. Okay, but what would you rather, being suffered by nuclear winter or living next to Shania Twain? <laughs> <laughs> Man, I'd feel like a woman. <laughs> I don't even know. Don't, that joke doesn't even matter. Uh, it doesn't make sense. Um, my, my, loser, my loser thing is for anybody who owns Apple equipment because Apple have launched a new iPad which has a different hull to all the others, so you're going to have to buy new cables. <laughs> oh. Why do they do that? I don't Why know. Zoe, who were the winners and losers of the week? Okay, uh, losers were, I read about some amazingly dumb criminals in Belgium who tried to rob an e-cigarette store and the guy said, oh, look, uh, 3pm is not the best time to rob this store because I don't have that much money yet. Why don't you come back <laughs> later and then I'll have more money, you'll get a better go. And they did. That's fantastic. <laughs> Twice. They came back at 5.30 because he told the cops and they're like, well, they're not coming back. Mate. And then they came back at 5.30 and he's like, you need to buy a watch. You are early. And then they went away and came back again at 6 and the cops got them. Fantastic. So, they are my losers. And, um, that reminds me of the time I got mugged in Campbelltown on the train and the, the kid took my wallet and he took money out of it. There was only 20 bucks in there. I said, oh, can I have, can I have 10 bucks back? That's all I've got. And he gave it back to me. <laughs> it's kind of sweet, isn't yeah, it? Right. That's a uh, lovely story. It's <laughs> nice. So there you've got a sort of thug on the train and he realises he's robbed an unemployed comedian and he feels so bad he gives you half the money back. Uh, I was an 18-year-old uh, aspiring unemployed comedian back then. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He aimed low and missed. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> with the winners and losers. Um, my winner. winner, winner. Oh, do you yeah. want my winner? Yeah, you, I want your winner. You, oh, okay, I want your sorry. winner. You, um, my winner was just, this is just a cute one. This is uh, Gavin Hazelwood, who's a six-year-old who made a macaroni necklace for Duchess Megan mm. and that was then flooded with online orders <laughs> <laughs> for his macaroni necklace. So he gave us an, a good news story and also some bonus losers, which is the people who bought them. They're macaroni necklaces, you fools. You can make them yourself. That's fantastic. But it is for charity. He's all right. He's all right. Anthony Ackroyd, who are the winners and losers? Uh, Loser of the week, and maybe this is every week, the Sydney Light Rail Project. (laughs) (laughs) Must wake up every day and how can we really stuff up something? How can we really ruin someone's life today? So they're getting inventive now. Uh, It's not just bulldozers outside your shop, so don't don't get any customers. Um, They recently uh, put bitumen over an artwork at Chinatown. It was beautiful artwork in, in the paving there. They, they thought, well, we'll slap some bitumen on that. Uh, it's only worth half a million dollars. Uh, it's called Cloudgate, mm. which, again, is, you know, it's, it's, um, you know, it's problematic because you know, have Watergate, everything's gate, and that would have to be Cloudgate gate. <laughs> <laughs> but couldn't know, they use some uh, of the bitumen to actually build some of the light rail, which they've taken years to complete? Now you're thinking, <laughs> well, that could work. You know, my theory is that if Anna Karenina was set in Sydney, it would turn out to be not a tragedy because the train would never arrive. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> She'd be 97. I'm still throwing myself at She'd be just standing outside Randwick Racecourse waiting, waiting, waiting. <laughs> She'd have a walking frame. I'm going to do this. <laughs> I've waited 95 years. Uh, winner of uh, the week is an American basketball player. I don't know if you heard this story. 
Um, but he brought his dog onto Qantas yeah. as hand luggage. And no one noticed. <laughs> Until one of the flight attendants said, oh, I think your baggage is humping your leg. <laughs> I thought that was fantastic. And, and it, it created the only known example of people in Sydney thinking, bring back Barnaby Joyce. Because <laughs> <You know? laughs> he, he obviously, like Johnny Depp, he thought sure. that you could just walk into Australia with... Uh, what was, it was Pistol and Boo, wasn't it, Johnny, yeah, yeah, yeah. in Johnny Depp's case? Yeah. And this guy... This guy had he... a pit bull, I think. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. You can just walk pit in. Bull? Yeah, pit bull? Not, not pit bull, the musician from Florida. <laughs> Strangely, no. no, 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 no. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. All right, one last, uh, one last question. Uh, they're stopping people taking laptops and iPads onto various international flights, all in the battle against terrorism. How do you occupy yourself on a long flight and what activities should the airlines organise to replace the use of our devices? Danny Illich, just quickly. Oh, I would, uh, I would uh, read all of Richard Glover's books and then pretend to be him <laughs> and tell anecdotes to them, my next-door neighbour all about, you know, let me tell you about avocado. <laughs> I have got a new one out and it's part of the Yak Festival. <laughs> but, but I'm not allowed to mention it. <laughs> that, that would be what we'd call in the business a compliment of interest. <laughs> it would. It would. Uh, what else? How are you going to occupy yourself on the flight, Zoe? With this question, I just wrote down, no! Because I get a lot of work done on planes and things. Like, don't you like them, away. do you? I like, yeah. yeah, having the. Don't you like the break? I do like the break, but I don't. I like the break from the internet. I like people not being able to contact me. You know, when they're like, we now have Wi-Fi on your flight. Yeah. Like, get away! Uh, no, don't tell anyone I'm working with that there's Wi-Fi ha, on this. How flight. are you going to occupy yourself, Anthony? Uh, well, I, I, I'd like more jobs for passengers because the people in the emergency row they get a job. Mm. They say if there's, you know, if there's a fire or something, are you prepared to open the door? Sure, I'll be the first one out. There's no problem there. <laughs> Someone to come up to me and say, are you prepared to fly the plane, Anthony? I'll give it a shot. You know? well, I've they're got already my getting license. you to, to, to print out your tickets and <laughs> yeah. put your own bags in. Why not? More games, like pass the parcel. <clears throat> oh, that'd be fun. <laughs> Make sure it's ticking for extra, you know. <laughs> Don't play I Spy, because it's always, oh, it's not a cloud again, is it? <laughs> <laughs> Please thank Anthony Aykroyd, Dan Elliott, and Zoe Koonsma. Thanks for being part of Thank God It's Friday. Next week we've got cricket. After that, we're back with Wendy Harmer, Tommy Dean, Tahir and The Wharf Review. Until then, I'm Richard Glover. Remember to go and see Dan and Zoe in the Yak Festival at Giant Dwarf and, of course, Anthony's regular appearances at Aldi, at Aldi in Barrel. <laughs> Until next time, thank God it's Friday! Yeah!